Welcome to an emergency podcast version of the Andrew Steele podcast. Always wanted to do one of these, been waiting for the right moment, and now we have it. It's Saturday early evening, and uh, Gerard Gallant has been fired from the New York Rangers. Well, it's been termed as a mutual part in other way, shall we say, but we all know what that means, and this has been building ever since the Rangers got bounced from the playoffs on, on Monday. This was the expected outcome. And so we have it. So I decided to come on and give my thoughts on it. Um, before we do that, the Andrew Steele podcast is brought to you by blogsofsteel.substack.com. There's going to be plenty of Ranger stuff on there in the coming days as we continue to perform the autopsy of what went wrong. We actually did a podcast on Friday with Johnny Lazarus, who covers the Rangers for the Hockey News. And we talked about the Gallant potential firing and and I think we were both in agreement that it was going to happen, but we we didn't necessarily think it should. Um, you know, given the options out there, we both felt as if though maybe running it back for one more year was best. But again, I think a change was always going to happen. There's kind of there's numerous reports out there which we'll get into in a minute, and this just seemed the only way it was going to end really. And and whether or not it's the right decision all depends on who's next, which we'll get into shortly again. But there was definitely a clear disconnect between Gallant and the front office and Gallant and his players. You know, last year they had, you know, an amazing regular season. They went to the Eastern Conference Finals and, you know, they they kind of exceeded all expectations and they went on this magical run but I think once the the dust settled on that run, you know, there were mistakes made in that Tampa Bay series. You know, adjustments, you know, they, they, they were not made uh, when they needed to be made. And, you know, you kind of put it down to at the time that Tampa, you know, had been there, done that, got the rings. But still, there were mistakes made, coaching mistakes made. And then, you know, they, something always seemed off this year. It, Something always seemed not quite right during the regular season. That there was something that was never quite corrected. You know, Chris Drury, the general manager, to give him his dues, went out at the day at the deadline, and you know he did his job. He got the team not one but two big time weapons in in Tarasenko and Patrick Kane. And as a general manager, all you can do is give your head coach the ingredients with which to cook with and it's up to the head coach to then produce the best tasting meal and Gallant didn't do that you know by the time the trade deadline had been and gone they were pretty much locked into the free spot in the metro and so the remainder of the regular season was really an an experiment to iron out any kinks to bed in Kane and Tarasenko to work out the best line pairings, to work out the best combinations, to work out the best um, combinations on the power play and on the, on the penalty kill. And, you know, there were plenty of teeth and problems, and the truth, the truth was that they never corrected those issues. You know, the power play was never sorted. You know, the power play, it kind of went hot in a couple of games in, the, in that first-round matchup against the Devils, but, you know, by and large, it failed in the big spots. And that's probably a big part of, of of this decision. But you know, the the bare bones of it is is that the Rangers led two nothing in the series against the Devils. And let's be honest, and I said this on the, the podcast on Friday, 
The Devils were no scrubs. They were the second seed in the Metro. They could have won the Metro. They were the better team all year. They had the better record. They were the better 5-on-5 team. And they, you know, they they were the better team in the series, which is why they, they advanced and the Rangers didn't. But the the truth is, is that bar a couple of games, the, the Rangers just didn't deliver in big spots. You know, they had all the momentum and gave that up to the Devils and never responded. And look, you, you, we've seen it with the Florida Panthers now in the series against Toronto. It's all about momentum and how you handle that momentum. And the fact of the matter is, is that the Rangers handed all the momentum right back to the Devils and they never did a good job of trying to get it back again. And, you know, in Game 5, with everything on the line, they put up a, a just a crappy effort. They were second to every puck. And, you know, I hate the saying that they didn't want it enough because I don't think any athlete goes out there not wanting to win. But they just didn't look prepared. And, and then in Game 7, to put up the effort they did was just... You know, that's not good enough for any team, let alone a team that, that you know, were, were meant to win. So, you know, while it's on the players to execute, they're, I think, the biggest rub against Gallant and what will probably be, you know, a major part of his legacy with the Rangers is that he failed to adjust in key moments. You know, he failed to adjust last year. In the Eastern Conference Final, he failed to adjust throughout the regular season, and he failed to adjust throughout the you know round one, and and he was completely outcoached by Lindy Ruff, who is a Jack Adams finalist. You know, whenever the Devils needed to make in-game adjustments, they did. Gallant never did. Um, you know, you got the sense that some players needed, you know, some veterans maybe needed a tougher hand, and Gallant seemed to lay off of the veterans. Um, but then was like too hard on the kids, and I just don't think he ever got that balance right. And if you look at it, you know both Alexis Lafreniere and Capo Caco they regressed under Gallant in twenty twenty three. You know Lafreniere had no points in the in the playoffs, and that kid line was you know was nearly not as effective as they were last year. And I think Gallant's handling of the kids was a major problem. I think the fact that he stood off the veterans was a major problem. And, you know, there's been reports, you know, Molly Walker of the New York Post has, has said today that, you know, exit interviews of the players certainly played a role in Gallant's firing and that there seems to be some, you know, whisperings that there were problems and there were whispers that there was a uh, yeah, huge disagreement between the players and Gallant and Gallant and Drury during the playoffs. And that doesn't surprise me. That doesn't surprise me in the slightest. Um, you know, the the rub on Gallant, his calling card is that he's a good coach, he's a great coach for two years, but then his voice starts to wear off. And if you look at everywhere he's been, you know, be it Florida, Vegas, he's he's lasted, you know, three years and then he's gone. And I think in this instance it's it's just ended one year one year early and yeah, and I th- I think, you know, he had Look, he was a great regular season coach, but, you know, the regular season doesn't matter. It's what you do in the playoffs. And when you go out and you have a run like you did last year, and then you go out and you acquire Patrick Kane, you acquire Vladimir Tarasenko, you've already got a roster featuring 
Chris Kreider, Miki Sabanajad, Artemi Panarin, Adam Fox, Keandre Miller, Igor Shosturkin. You shouldn't be going out in the first round, no matter who you play. You know, this team should be in the Eastern Conference final. They should be competing to get into the Stanley Cup final. And you know, and the worst thing is, they would have had the perfect opportunity. The East is wide open this year. You know, they could have got past Carolina because Car- you know, Carolina's a great team and they're proving that against the Devils, but they're shorthanded. They're missing some key offensive weapons. So the Rangers had enough talent and the goaltending to be able to get past Carolina. They would have had the talent and the goaltending to get past Florida or Toronto. And then you never know what happens in the Stanley Cup final. So that's frustrating. But, you know... I think the final thing on, on Golan and look, he leaves with a 99, 46 and 19 record. Again, great regular season coach, but he came up short in the postseason and, you know, that they would, it just never seemed right this year. And, you know, I'm sure we'll hear more from certain players. You know, if I'm, if I'm guessing, I'd imagine there was probably a rift between him and Panarin, given Panarin's comments. Um, I, I would I would make a good guess that, and and I would I would guess that there was probably a a, a problem between Gallant and the leadership core. And if that's the case, then you know Chris Jury probably felt he had no choice but to get rid of Gallant and and look for someone. But it's disappointing, you know. It's disappointing the way the season ended, and and I I always like Gallant. I thought he's a good coach, but you know, again, you always the danger of Gallant and the risk was that he was only he was only ever going to give you two to three years, and he's given this team two years. They made a run and then had an early exit. So ultimately, there's not a lot to show for for what Gallant did here, and whatever happens now. Chris Drury has to get this this next hire right. And, you know, that's obvious to say, you know, of course, of course that's the case. But it really is important because this team's window to wins right now. You know, you look at the salary cap situation, there's going to be some tough decisions down the road. You know, they're going to have to work out what they what they want to do with the Frenier and Kako. I, I said on the podcast with Johnny on Friday, I think they're at a slight advantage with the kids given that you know their values at an all-time low so you can probably sign both to you know cost-effective bridge deals i think you know you you sign k andrew miller because i don't think that there's very few defensemen like him out in the game and then you know you see what you can do you know can you bring tarasenko back can you bring kane back on a on a cost-effective deal i think kane's doable because as johnny said you sign Kane to a team-effective deal, cost-friendly deal. You put him on LTIR because he's probably going to undergo hip surgery. You you sit him out until after the All-Star game, and then you bring him back. You'll then bring in a fresh player who who's still got plenty of good hockey in him, fresh for the stretch run and in the playoffs. Or you just sit him out for the entire regular season and bring him back for the playoffs. Maybe give him the final few weeks to, to ramp up. That could be an option. You know, it's been done. Vegas have done it. So it's doable. You know, Tampa did it with, with um, Kucherov. So it's done. That that can be done. So that's an option. 
But, you know, there's not going to be major changes to this roster and their window to wins right now and it's going to sh- it's going to rapidly close with every year. And, you know, as me and Johnny were saying, whoever comes in is only going to have really a year or two to get this done. So it's going to be up to what voice Chris Jury in the front office think will be most effective. Now, there's a lot of whispers already about Joel Quinville. Now, Joel Quinville obviously has got the track record. He won three Stanley Cups in Chicago. He was the, you know, the leader of that dynasty. And then he went to Florida and they were having a great start. And then, of course, he was, you know, suspended by, from the NHL after admitting his involvement with the Kyle Beach sexual abuse case with Chicago. Now, you know, this is a very sensitive subject and there's a lot of strong feelings. And what I will say is that Quinville knew about it, didn't do anything, and that's deplorable. That's, you know, it's disgusting. And Quinville was rightly punished. And he, there will, you know, rightly be a lot of scrutiny and and a lot of controversy and a lot of unhappy people if he comes back into the league. And, you know, nothing should ever take away from the wrongs he committed um, and the pain that he helped to inflict on Kyle Beach and his family by not doing anything. Um, The same for everyone else involved with the Black Horse organisation. And, you know, I can't stress that enough. However, and I'm sure there'll be people that will not like this, there's two things at play here. You know, it will be on the NHL to reinstate Quinville and and according to Darren Drager of TSN that will likely happen soon and you know there is a school thought out there that once someone serves their punishment they should be given the right to start again and we have this argument and this debate in sports constantly because you know like it or not sports professional sports is littered with bad people that have done a you know appalling things or you know people that have made mistakes and it's where you draw the line with that but ultimately you know even the worst of the worst are given chance after chance after chance in sports because ultimately all franchise all franchises are interested in is winning um you know whether you agree with that or not that is the sad fact and that you know sports is a business and you know if the nhl makes the decision to reinstate Joel Quinville, then really from a team perspective, there's no reason why they, you know, in their mind, they shouldn't hire Quinville because he's been cleared to then work again. Now, that, let me stress, he hasn't been cleared yet. Um, obviously, you know, there's reports saying he will be. How long that process will take, we don't know. That might be why the Rangers have made this decision early. They, they may have other options, but... I think, you know, if Quinville is hired, there's going to be, you know, a lot of baggage there. There's going to be a lot of difficult conversations to be had and he's going to have to own that and be willing to talk about that. And, you know, that doesn't make the whole situation okay. But that is going to be a part of his legacy moving forward. And if he does return to work in the NHL, then that is going to follow him around. From a team perspective, 
yeah, Quinville, you know, if there's one coach that could lead this team to win, it's probably Quinville. But again, he's only going to have two to three years to do it, given the window of this team. Um, you know, he's coached Benaren before, he's coached Kane before, so that would be certainly an appealing option for the Rangers, I'd imagine, in terms of reuniting, you know, Panarin, a, a, a player that, you know, I think everyone desperately wants to do well, and, you know, he's struggled in the postseason, but he's been, you know, unfairly made out to be a scapegoat. Um, so, Quinville would be a good fit if you were just talking hockey. Again, you know, I can't stress enough, there is other stuff to consider too, but, you know, there is no smoke without fire and there's a reason the Quinville rumours are out there already. And I think it's because the Rangers know that they've got limited opportunities to win and ultimately they are going to go for the, the guy that gives them the best chance to win. And purely from an X and O's perspective, from a hockey perspective, Joel Quinville is probably that guy. Um and he would, you know, he's got the track record. He's got the experience. You know, he's worked with a few of those players before. He's he showed that he can work with vets and younger players. And you know, look, Chicago is a big market, so he'd be able to handle New York, no doubt. And he would tick a lot of the boxes from a hockey perspective. Now, if it's not Quinville, you know, they could go down the road of some, you know what you call recycle coaches, you know, Daryl Sutter, who's just been fired by uh, Calgary, Peter Laviolette, um, although I'm not sure with, with him because, he, you know, he's he's had a bad year or two with Washington and I would rather, I'd go a different path. Uh, Chris Knobloch, who is the current coach of the Hartford Wolfpack, who are in the playoffs, you know, he's obviously been, you know, always considered a potential long-term option for the Rangers. You know, he, he's obviously got a track record with younger players. Whether he's the right option for now, I don't know. If the Rangers feel all they need is the right voice and the talent will do the rest, then maybe you go down that road. But I've got a funny feeling they'll go for someone established. I think they'll go for someone with a track record. And I do feel as if, though... Quinville will be the name that won't go away. Again, there's going to be a lot of complicated conversations with that, a lot of difficult conversations with that, given, you know, his involvement with the Kyle Beach abuse case and and his, um, you know, his his lack of involvement and basically him turning a blind eye on the whole thing. Um, so that's going to be interesting to watch play out. But there's no doubt that. This team underachieved this year. They massively underachieved, given the, the talent levels they've got. And they're only going to have a couple more kick, kicks at the can of this. And they now need the right guy. They need the right voice. They need a voice that can get the best out of the younger players and the vets. Because ultimately, you're not going to move on from Panarin. I don't think there's any sense in moving on from Lafreniere or, or Kako yet. So whoever comes in is going to have to get the best of what he's got. You know, if you bring Kane back on a team-friendly deal, you know, if you maybe bring in a couple of depth pieces. But there's no doubt that this team, you know, Johnny made a good point on the podcast yesterday when I was talking about a spark plug. You know, this team needs to get quicker as well. 
the NHL's built on speed. You know, Kale McCarr, Conor McDavid, Nathan McKinnon. You know, you look at the teams in the playoffs, they've got speed. You know, the Devils had speed. And, you know, the difference between the Rangers and the the Hurricanes at the moment, that the Rangers were unable to shut down the Devils' speed. The Hurricanes are doing a good job of that right now, which is why the Hurricanes are... are, uh, are up to nothing, you know, obviously so were the Rangers and the Devils made adjustments. But the Rangers need to get quicker. They need you know they need more speed, maybe a little bit of toughness as well. But this is a huge off season ahead for this team because they went through the rebuild, they got some high end draft pieces that haven't worked out yet, and they're in very real danger of having to re- repeat that process empty handed if they don't get this coach in higher right which is why I think they'll go for an experienced head, someone who's been there and done that, which is, again, why all signs are pointing towards Quinville. Um, you know, only time will tell, but I imagine they're going to want to get someone in fairly quickly. If it is Quinville, there's going to have to be a process with his reinstatement. But this is just really interesting times for this team. You know, there's going to be a lot of changes, a lot of big decisions to be made during the off-season, you know the the draft is really deep, so they've they've got the ability to add a potential, you know, talent that can come in and make an impact straight away in the first round. So that would be interesting to to see what direction they go there. But big changes need need to be made. You know, you have a season like they just have and and went out the way they did. Changes have to be made. The first big domino's fallen. You know, Gallant's gone. We'll see who they bring in as head coach, and we'll see if that if if that works. But as Johnny said, you know, the the main thing is these players now have to take what happened against the Devils as a fire being lit under their ass, and they need to use that as motivation, like like uh, Tampa Bay did when they got swept by Columbus. They didn't sulk. They used that as motivation. They allowed that to be a kick up the ass they needed, and and look what happened. You know, so the Rangers need to do the same. They need to put their big boy pants on now, get better from this, come back, and you know they have to be a lot better next year. And you know it's not the regular season that counts; it's it's in the playoffs that matters. And whoever they need to bring in has to be better making adjustments because Gallant consistently failed making adjustments in game. So you know again that'd be another box Quinville would take. But this is going to be really interesting. Um, I just wanted to come on and give my my couple of thoughts on this. Um, I'll be interested to hear what you have to think. But yeah, you know, let a crazy off season begin. It's never dull being a Rangers fan. Let's see what happens.